dear listener, it's me, Hub, again, with another episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. I say another episode, but this is a very special episode because it is our 50th episode. Can you freaking believe it? Can you? I hope that you can. This would be a kind of shitty thing for you to be incredulous about. I mean, yes, 50 is a lot, but it's not even a full year. Although, I will say, we have not missed a week yet. I say that yet so that now I can start fucking up. But, also, to toot my own horn. Which I guess would make a tiki ork sound. If it's, you know, a ram's horn. Anyway, earlier this week, I was, uh... Leafing through a People magazine, because, you know, I'm a man of the people. And they had one of those sections that was, Celebrities, they're just like us. And I thought to myself, I thought, wow, that is really condescending. <laughs> and then I thought, they should call that little articleette, Celebrities, they think they're people. And then I thought, what they should do is... They should have all the regular, like, celebrities doing regular stuff things. And then they should have one where they just show a single-panel Marmaduke cartoon, but they replace Marmaduke with, like, George Clooney or some shit. So it's like, George Clooney, you can't drive a bus! (laughs) It's like, ah, George Clooney, he thinks he's people. So, I would like you to make those images for me, because I don't know how to, and I would like you to send them to me, because I would like to see them. And then I will post them in the various places that I post things. So, please do that. The email address is, once again, ttwasteland at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, let's see what you can do with your, uh, your Photoshop skills and your George Clooney picture having. Yeah, that'll be fun. Anyway, let's get on with the, uh, episode, shall we? Keeping with the very special theme, we have a very special synopsis rhyme. This one was submitted by Lisa. An angel punched Mal in the private bits. Watch your back. It's a synopsis. Synopsis. The reason that's a very special rhyme is the Lisa who submitted it was my wife. Hi, Lisa. How's it going? She she sent it to our email and everything and didn't tell me about it. It was a nice surprise. Let's get into this issue, shall we? Teen Titans, number 46, February 1977. The Fiddler's Concert of Crime. Written by Bob Rosakis, drawn by Irv Novik, with inks by Joe Giella. Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin. Speedy. Mal. Wonder Girl. Kid Flash. Aqualad. And... The Joker's Daughter. The DC Universe is abuzz with excitement because tonight at the Long Island Coliseum, the two greatest bands in the world will share a stage for the first time ever. Wings and the Carpenters, or, you know, the DC stand-ins for those bands, Peter and Laura McCarthy, the Flyers, and the clean-cut All-American crooners, the Woodworkers. Really? What were Iron Blimp and the Tumbling Rocks appearing in an Aquaman comic that month? Anyway, the preparations for this super concert are brought to a halt by the menacing musical malice of the Fiddler. The Fiddler's an old Flash villain from the 40s who has mystical hypnotic violin playing powers. He's all jealous that anybody wants to listen to music that isn't his. Plus, he likes to steal shit. So, he decides to rob the music venue. Makes sense. He plays a tune that makes all the roadies and stagehands start slam dancing and breaking stuff. I mean, to be fair, that sort of shit's bound to happen at a Carpenter's concert anyway. That type of music's always attracted the wrong element. The Fiddler's 
Tersipkrian terror is interrupted by the arrival of the titanic twosome of Mal and Speedy. Not yet wanting to face the arrow and shofar-wielding teens, the fiddler jumps in his giant violin-shaped car and zooms away, leaving Mal and Speedy to get danced on by crazed roadies. That's right, he has a violin-shaped car. Way to commit to the bit, guy. Meanwhile, back at the Titan's secret cave, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, and Aqualad are debating where they should locate their new headquarters when Robin walks in, makes a shitty joke, and introduces them to a pal of his named Duella Dent, who wants to join the team. Duella is the daughter of the Batman villain Two-Face, so naturally she calls herself the Joker's daughter. Of course. She also dresses like and looks like a female version of the Joker, which is to say she looks like Nancy Reagan. The other Titans are understandably suspicious of Nancy Reagan and aren't sure they want her to be a Titan. Mal and Speedy show up and fill their teammates in on the scuffle with the Fiddler. Then we get a flashback which shows us that the Wing stand-ins and the Carpenter stand-ins were hesitant to appear in the concert with each other. Hmm. Back in the now time, a TV news report informs us, and the Titans, that Peter and Laura McCarthy of the Flyers, who are definitely not Paul and Linda McCartney of Wings, have been kidnapped. Oh no! Now who will appear on that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa decides to be a vegetarian? Or, I guess in the DCU it's probably, like, an episode of The Samsons where Liza decides to become a freegan? Please suspect the Fiddler's involvement. Fortunately, the Titans are on the case. Robin takes Aqualad and Nancy Reagan, or the Joker's daughter, with him to investigate the scene of the kidnapping while the rest of the Titans head to the Coliseum to protect the concert goers in case the Fiddler shows back up, which, of course he does. This time, the malevolent maestro goes all Pied Piper of Hamlin and commands hordes of rats and insects to attack the audience. Gross. The teens use their respective powers to combat the various vermin and are doing pretty well for themselves until Speedy notices he's covered in ants and freaks out. Probably not the first time Speedy's freaked out because he saw that he was covered in bugs, but unlike those other times, this time he is actually covered in bugs. Dawn is hit by an errant arrow shot, and Kid Flash gets KO'd by a swarm of bees, who don't so much sting him as they do collectively punch him in the chest. Fortunately, Mal is on the scene. He whips out his trusty ram's horn, and with a mighty or engages the fiddler in the weirdest battle of the bands of all time for control of the horde of vermin. Naturally, Shofar trumps violin, and Mal is victorious. Hooray. He leads the throng of rats and bugs out of the Colosseum, presumably to release them in the surrounding Long Island neighborhood? Thanks? The fiddler once again flees the scene in his fantastic fiddle-mobile. Meanwhile, at the Flyer's hotel room, Robin, Joker's daughter, and Aqualad are noticing some irregularities about the alleged kidnapping. They're about to share their suspicions with the police, when Mal toots a or on his horn and teleports the trio of Titans to the Coliseum. Turns out that immediately after driving off, the Fiddler returned to the venue, kidnapped the carpenters, or woodworkers, and is holding them hostage on the roof. When the team attempts to confront the violining villain, he pulls his most dastardly act yet. Much like my middle school PE teacher, the Fiddler uses his power to make teens square dance with each other. That son of a bitch. Then he summons a fiddle-shaped remote-control helicopter to shoot violin bows at the dosy-doing do-gooders. Damn it, Fiddler. You lost me with the square dancing, but you won me back with your adherence to the musical motif. Speedy and Wonder Girl take out the fiddlecopter, and Nancy Reagan uses a combination of makeup gimmicks and karate to subdue the felonious fiddle fiend. Hooray. The Titans free the woodworkers and inform the superstar-singing siblings that they have also rescued the Flyers. Wait, they did? 
The woodworkers are just as surprised as us readers. But Raman insists that he will explain everything. Leading the carpenter clones to a closet downstairs, the boy wonder opens the door to reveal Peter and Laura McCarthy. Or is it? The woodworkers immediately recognize that the two are imposters. But how could they possibly have known that it was really Roy and Nancy Reagan wearing latex masks? It's been well established in previous Teen Titans issues that latex masks are impenetrable disguises. Well, it turns out that the woodworkers, who are really the carpenters, are really the flyers, who are really wings. Both, or all four, bands are really the same two people. That's why they were hesitant to appear on the same bill together. They were worried the audience would figure out their secret. They should have just worn latex masks. Those things are impenetrable disguises. That night at the big concert, Wings slash the Carpenters slash the Flyers slash the Woodworkers reveal their big secret to the fans, and it turns out everybody thinks it's great. Hooray! Then Robin tells the rest of the Titans that he bought a restaurant and it's going to be their new headquarters. Hooray? Honestly, that seems like a step down from a badass secret cave. Also, as someone who's worked in the service industry for a while, fucking everybody thinks they can run a restaurant. None of you Titans have any experience working in the service industry. You don't know how to run a restaurant. Just because you've eaten out a couple of times doesn't mean you know what you're fucking doing. I'm sorry. I mean, hooray! And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well myself. We have a lot to celebrate today. Yes. It is our 50th episode. Correct. It is also the 4th of July. Yep. So our nation's at least 50th birthday. At least. Nobody knows for sure how many. Mm, I'm not good at math. Probably around 50. 2016, take away 1776. About 50. No, I know what year it is. Cool. Me too. Awesome. Anyway. <laughs> Good times. Yep. So, what'd you think? Oh, man. There's kind of a lot going on in this one. There's a lot going on. And it, it is one that I think the more time I spent with the issue, the better I liked it. Mm. It was a little bit overwhelming at first, but there's a lot of weird fun in it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Rosakis handles... The crazy mile a minute zany madcap stories quite as well as Haney does. It feels almost forced in a, in a way. Like like Haney to me is just like oh, and this would be cool, and this would be cool, and then we can do this. Like you know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, stream of consciousness craziness. Yeah, I feel like he gets carried away with himself. Where with Rosakis, the story maybe gets away from Rosakis a little bit. Mm. But. As I said, the more time I spent with it, the more I liked about it. And there's a lot that I like about this issue. You know what I'm not fond of? What? The, well, I guess it's nothing like really personal against the character. But the Joker's daughter, first of all, not the Joker's daughter. Right. But the one that calls herself right. the Joker's daughter for some reason. Right. Is creepy to me. She is, she is creepy and I, I found her very unsettling. Yeah. Especially the scenes where Aqualad is kind of flirting with her. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something, honestly, I think the whole look would be fine, except for she has that weird, like, dropped down chin mm -hmm. with the, like, it, it's like she has an unhinged jaw yeah, or like something. Yeah, snake eating a pig. Yeah, like, the Joker was drawn that way a lot back then, and I found that unsettling, too. Mm -hmm. But to have it be a teenage girl who I think is supposed to be drawn attractively, I'm not sure. 
But mm-hmm. it was, I found her very unsettling. She looked a lot to me like Nancy Reagan. And I, I've i always found Nancy Reagan very unsettling. And that trend continued in this issue. And I kept wanting to be like, no, no, Aqualad, don't, don't flirt with Nancy Reagan. Mm. Don't sit on Mr. T's lap. Uh, Aqualad can sit on Mr. T's lap. I, that would be great. I want a poster <laughs> of Aqualad sitting on Mr. T's lap in a very special episode. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. If anybody's listening and they have a picture in their house <laughs> of Aqualad sitting on Mr. T's lap, I would really like to see that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, that being said, yeah, Joker's daughter, very unsettling character. I have trouble, not even the character, I have trouble with her aesthetic. Mm. It, it's disturbing to me. Mm. That being said, you brought up the fact that, yes, she calls herself the Joker's daughter and she dresses like the Joker, mm-hmm. but she's Two-Face's daughter. Right. I read a weird snippet of an... I haven't... She appeared in... I think it's Batman Family number six and seven that had come out the year before this, Mm. which were also written by Bob Rozak as he created the character. Apparently, his thinking was, well, he wanted her to be the daughter of one of Batman's rogues gallery. Mm. And at various points, she had claimed to be the daughter of most of... She's like, I'm the Penguin's daughter. I'm the Riddler's daughter. Mm. Um, but she would still dress like the Joker's daughter, I think. Hmm. And he's like, well, we knew all along she really had to be mm-hmm. Two-Face's daughter because he was the only one that was married. Oh. Hmm. I think it's really funny. I know I don't know if this was the logic behind that, but I really like the idea that it's just like, well, I mean, I know like the Joker is a mass murderer mm-hmm. and he has killed many people and he's a sadistic, awful person, but he's not going to have premarital sex. I mean, he's not a monster. Well, I mean, this is, what is it? Mid-70s. This is the 77. Late 70s. Yeah. Where, you know, (laughs) the social mores of the time. Right, right. Very, very very rigid. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I I find that idea very, very funny. Mm. Just that it's like, well, he was the only one that was married. Of course she had to be his daughter. Clearly. can you even have children out of wedlock? I, I don't know if it's even physically possible. Physically impossible. I don't. I, yeah, I think the body would just reject it. Yeah, but anyway, I found that that idea kind of kind of kind of fun. Yep. Other characters in this, we've got the fiddler. Yo, yep. I that guy has got a theme, and he is sticking to it, man. One hundred percent. He's a very old villain. He debuted in I think like forty-seven, something like that. And he's got kind of a golden age villain feel to him. Mm-hmm. So I was reading up on him a little bit. What's kind of fun is there's the whole like musical battle between Mal and him where Mal is playing the shofar mm-hmm. and just like T-Orkin all over the place. That's all it, that's all it does. And he's winning because well, he, he's making those T-Ork sounds so good. Mm-hmm. So, so sweet. To key um, Yeah, to Key-Ork. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just so I know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the hornsman that Mal is. Yes, who who is who, who could be? But what's interesting is that Mal and the Fiddler have the same creator, as uh, Robert Koeniger created both characters. One in 1947. One in 1972 or 71, I think. Curious. Which is pretty cool. Possibly, and that may have actually been 1970 that Mal made his debut. Mm. But I think that's interesting, and I like that they square off, and I think that may have been a nod on Rosakis's part. Mm. Rosakis is a DC like continuity buff. Mm. He had a job for a while as the DC answer man, mm. where people would like write in and ask him questions about 
DC characters. Hmm. And he would like, oh, well, here's who this guy is. Here's how this works. So he'll, he brings up a lot of that stuff. And I, I, I think that's really fun. Hmm. But yeah, reading up about the Fiddler, here's what I forget about the Golden Age stuff. I remember that it's super goofy. It's also like really dark. Hmm. So it's this weird combination of like goofy and kind of murdery. The Fiddler was a thief who went to jail in India and a Indian fakir who was a snake charmer mm-hmm. taught him his craft mm. and he had a certain aptitude for it. Oh, also his last name is Bowen hmm. uh, because he likes to do some Bowen, Oh, you know, on his, on his fiddle. Yeah. He then built himself a violin out of garbage that he found in prison hmm. and then got so good at that garbage violin Mm-hmm. That he could hypno- he hypnotized all the guards into letting himself and his mentor out of prison. Then he murders his mentor mm. and murders the person who sent him to jail for stealing from him. Then he goes to the United States and impersonates his brother, who is a conductor of a symphony. Whoa. His identical twin brother. Wow. I'm sorry. But yeah, so you see what I mean? Like where it's a combination of like really dark and kind of disturbing and incredibly goofy. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that about the Golden Age stuff, and I feel like there's a little bit more of that in the Bronze Age, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, pre-code comics were fucking dark. Hmm. So yeah, I like that there's the Koeniger connection between the two heroes, and I like that they have a little Battle of the Bands. Yeah. Shofar and a violin. Yeah, those uh, vermin trick was pretty gnarly. Dude. Bees! <laughs> Bugs of all kinds! <laughs> oh, man. There were, I was reading that in my Nicolas Cage voice. Every time. Like, bees! <laughs> Anytime bees are mentioned. And I like the fact, too, that like, when the bees attack Kid Flash, they're not stinging him. They make a... They kind of just lamp, punch him. Almost, yeah. Like it's like in the cartoon mm-hmm. where they'll like form a fist and like rough somebody up. Mm-hmm. As, it's yeah, as a swarm, the bees just kind of punch him in the chest mm-hmm. and knock him out. Which you got to hit somebody in the chest pretty hard to knock him out. Yeah, As poor fella. Jeez, it's bad time. Yeah, but I, I talked a little bit earlier about uh, Rosakis being a DC continuity buff. One of the little things that he threw in was the uh, TV announcer who broke the story that Peter and Laura McCarthy, mm-hmm. Paul and Linda McCartney, no, no, they had been kidnapped. Um, that was Jack Ryder, who is a, a DC character called the Creeper. No kidding. Who has green skin and fights crime and leaps about and laughs at everything. What, Not that different the, than the Joker's daughter. Who, who what, the news anchor? Yeah. How did you know this? I just know that. Wow. I... Uh, that's his his alter ego is Jack Ryder. He was a, a character that was created by Steve Ditko, who created uh, Spider-Man and Hawk and Dove and Doctor Strange and stuff. When at DC, he created a character in the early seventies called the Creeper, and that's his alter ego is a newsman named Jack Ryder. I did not know that. Yeah, I thought that was a little fun thing to throw in. That is a little fun yeah. thing. Huh. So there, there's all those weird little Rosakis Easter eggs, but like. Like I said, there were parts where it seemed like it got away from him. Like, I really liked the Fiddler's car. Hmm. Yeah, and and his, uh, his remote-controlled hel- yeah, helicopter. Helifiddle. <laughs> that fires violin bows at people. Violin bow machine gun. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I thought that stuff was fun, but, like, there's the thing where the second time when he flees Mal, he never really seemed like a menace because he shows up, 
Mal sends him packing. He runs away. He shows up again. Mal sends him packing. He runs away. Mm-hmm. He shows up a third time, and they beat him up. Mm-hmm. He makes him square dance first, though. But yeah. he never really seemed like that biggest. Like, he shows up really early on. Also, I was trying to figure out when the, like, why the whole audience is there for the concert. If the concert is like, oh, is the concert starting now? No, the concert's later that night. Mm-hmm. You know, why is everybody there? Why is he robbing the concert before anybody shows up at it? Why does he keep coming back to the concert that he already robbed? Mm-hmm. Which he tried to almost prevent in the first place by having everybody destroy their instruments. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little wonky. And the fact that he's like, oh, this popular music is such a such for dummies. Why can't you listen to something classy like you call these electric guitars even instruments? And then he does a square dance at the end. Lame. But, like, there's all these little things that don't quite add up about that. Like we were talking about, or, like, the second time Mal chases him off, he jumps in his fiddle car and drives off, and then seconds later is on the roof having kidnapped the carpenters, the the woodworkers. <clears throat> yeah, I I had to flip back and forth between the pages a whole bunch in this, because I kept feeling like I had missed no, a they, page or they something. No, they just skipped okay. stuff. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. It's fun and it's weird, but it doesn't have the same, like, organic energy to it that the Haney weirdness does. That being said, Fiddlecopter, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, Battle of the Bands with a Shofar, not bad. Mm-hmm. There's a scene that's weird where we talked about the Joker's daughter being difficult for me to look at. And especially she's colored inconsistently, too, where sometimes mm-hmm. she has the Joker's pancake white face. Mm-hmm. Which I found less disturbing than when they colored her with flesh tone, mm-hmm. but with the clown shaped face. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene where they're debating whether they should let her into the team, and Wonder Girl says, Besides, I think we could use another pretty face. But she says pretty face in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. So is she being a bitch to Joker's daughter? That's how I read it, but then after thinking about it, a little bit. I I couldn't voice the dialogue in my head of unless you're being like super sarcastic to hearing those air quotes. Do you think like she's that much of a bitch? That I don't know. I, I mean, like, way? I think maybe Rosakis is letting us know that she's being a bitch, but she was kind of like passive aggressive, sliding it under the radar. That's what I think is the case. Or like she's just like, yeah, we should have another hideous, difficult to look at woman around here to make me look prettier. Yeah, but I'll just yeah. say she's a pretty face, but she won't know that I'm being sarcastic. Mm. Like. When me and Lee used to call that guy Duke as a nickname, Mm. he thought it was a cool nickname. Mm. We didn't tell him that it was short for Marmaduke because he thought he was people. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, but he never knew, and so it was like it was fun for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's worse for the other guy. Yeah. I mean, I guess he doesn't know. It doesn't... Yeah, I don't think so. Listens. Marmaduke, if you're listening, sorry, buddy. <laughs> so we didn't say Marmaduke. That would have been a dead giveaway. I know Marmaduke isn't a cool. Let's make it a funny Duke. Joke. Oh, good job. Thanks. <laughs> I had a couple points. One is my understand. We've touched on this before, but my understanding of the properties of the shofar is a little fuzzy and was kind of further muddied by its use in this issue. Yeah. So, so two things. One, Mal blows into it it makes the same tiki or noise that it normally makes mm-hmm. but it has the effect of helping to repel vermin along with speedy's gas arrows yeah i think his in-story explanation was 
Gabriel said it would even the odds. Let's hope that this will even the odds by giving me the same power of music that the Fiddler has. Okay. And I actually had a email from somebody named Martin Gray who was asking me some questions about the chauffeur, and I ended up coming up with kind of a theory because he is warned that... I don't think even really warned. He's told, like, only blow it if you are in dire danger. Exactly, yeah. And it'll... Now, I don't think that was a warning necessarily as it was tactical advice. Because if the way that it works is to even the odds, then if he goes into a battle where he is either even already or is maybe a little stronger than his opponent, would it make him weaker to even the odds? Mm, It's possible. So I think maybe that's why he should only blow it if he's in... Mm, If the odds are against him. Like, not as a, like, you should only form Voltron after you get your ass kicked as the Lions for, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> right, right. But more of a, if you blow it and the guy's, and you're about to beat the guy anyway, then it'll make you weaker, so it'll be a tougher fight. That makes sense. And so then the other thing was, most of the time it seems like when he's in need and he blows it, what happens is the other Titans get summoned to his aid. Right. And so it was kind of my assumption that that's the primary way in which it it stacks the deck in his favor or evens the odds. Yeah. But I guess also it just randomly does other stuff, and we'll find out as the well, story Well, what's first. inconsistent to me about this one is that he blows it, like, it's he has used it in the past that when he has blown it, it has even the odd buffs by summoning the Titans. But it does seem like in this one he just is just like, man, I want some Titans, so I'll just teleport them here with my horn. Yeah, and then following that, what happens when he's playing with Great Frog? And, like, he has to bust out a Shofar solo. Like, what if the Titans are off fighting crime somewhere and they just show up on stage and they're like, God damn it, Mal. Like, now people are going to die. Well, maybe the battle that is, like, just like, can I play the rock in his solo? And that's his struggle. And so it even drops by, like, maybe it wouldn't, like, necessarily summon just Titans. Maybe it would just be, like... Oh, now we're Annette Coleman's here. <laughs> uh, hey, Charlie Parker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I like the, the fact that the band is named Great Frog, too. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty badass name, and I like when Robin disses Great Frog. Robin does okay in this issue. Mm-hmm. He makes a shitty, shitty joke, and everybody... Ma- it is out of character. It kind of took me aback. It was kind of unsettling to see... Robin laughing wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But it was at his own joke. It so. was at his own joke, but it was still just like, have we ever seen Robin laugh before? He can have fun sometimes. He just is normally a little more uptight. It, it, it seemed weird. Mm. You're right. He he definitely like has made shitty jokes at his cohort's expenses. Mm-hmm. But when he just shows up and makes a waiter, there's a fly in my soup joke. Mm-hmm. And then just cannot contain the peals of laughter mm-hmm. that cascade out of him. Kind of weird. Yeah. Later on, he has a moment, too, where he's, like, really trying to assert his control over the Titans, and I love all the panels in which he's like, guys, I'm the leader. He says it explicitly a bunch. Yeah. And I really... I'm the leader. Everybody ignores him. <laughs> so it's just I, awesome to see yeah, him I love so that stuff. Up. Yeah. No, that, that's perfect. <laughs> In character, too. Yeah, no, that I think that works really, really well. So we are 
Now, this is the third Rosakis issue. Mm-hmm. Wonder Girl still hasn't done shit. She lassoes the remote control helicopter in this issue, which is by far the most that she has done so far. She deflects killer bees with as her, if they were bullets with her bracelets. That was really weird, that she deflects a swarm of bees with her bracelets. I guess individually? What the fuck's wrong with those bees, too? They're just like, let's go hit those metal shiny things. Yeah, dude, they're using fucking movie ninja logic. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, mm-hmm. we all rush in at the same time. Mm-hmm. In the exact same point, yep. so that we could be deflected en masse. Yep. Yeah. Oh, bees. I don't know why everybody's so worried about them. I just love when mouse says, bees! There's, I, <laughs> when we get to favorite dialogue, there's, we're going to get into some other, yeah. other dealing with bugs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that scene where <laughs> Speedy thinks that ants are crawling all over him. Okay, ants are crawling all over <laughs> him, but it's such a DT moment that I was just like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is Speedy having withdrawals? Yeah. That, yeah, that was pretty great. Do you think that Bob Rosakis really had a theory that the Carpenters were really wings? I don't, I feel like I don't know him well enough yet to make that assertion. It seems like a weird premise to base a comic book on, if you don't think that. <laughs> I don't know, it could just be a, you know, maybe he was smoking a doobie and he was like, you know what would be funny, man? <laughs> you know? If Linda McCarty was really Garrett Carpenter, wouldn't that be weird? Do you ever think, never see him in the same concert together? <laughs> no battle of the fans. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, I had a similar theory for a little while in the 90s that uh, Billy Corgan was really Belinda Carlisle. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That's what this issue reminded me <laughs> I do remember that. It's like, oh, I should write a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> With that as the premise. Hmm. Never saw them doing any yeah. doubleheader shows. Yeah. That I know of. What would you call the two bands? Like DC Universe style. <clears throat> um, what would the Go-Go's be called? Uh, what's another way to say that that's like short syllables? The Vroom Vrooms? <laughs> yeah, they could be, yeah. The Move Moves? Yeah, sure. And then, uh... I, I like the Vroom Vrooms. Vroom Vrooms and the... And, uh, uh the, the... Breaking the Gourds. Busting Gourds. Mm. Busting Gourds. <laughs> that, dude, those are two not bad band names. The Vroom Vrooms and the Busting Gourds. <laughs> All right, they're up there with Karate Bears as, as good band name ideas. Than I have. There we go. If you guys want to start a band, you can use those, but you have to give me all your money. <laughs> <laughs> binding up, binding verbal contract hmm. that I just made. All right. It also does bother me. I know I said this at the end of the synopsis that Robin just instantly delegates. All right, Speedy and Mel, you'll run the restaurant for us. Mm-hmm. Now I think he means they can play in the band as nightclubs, but god damn it, running a restaurant's a lot of work and nobody seems to realize that. Mm-hmm. I worked as a server for a long time. I know you've worked in restaurants before too. Yeah, both sides, I, front and back of the house. Yeah, I feel like it is the industry more than any other where people just figure they know how to do it. I think, And they don't. Also, like, with the, the food fetishism of late with shows like Top, Top Chef and, and all of this, yeah. like, people get this idea that it's, it's there's some glamour or like a creative no it is element a fucking it. drudge it's like, it's like a grind man. yeah 
Which, I mean, can be awesome, too. No, it's certainly awesome moments, There are parts of it that are really fun. It's hard freaking work. it is hard goddamn work, and you have to know what you're doing. You can't just be a fucking restaurant owner because you're like, well, I've been out to eat a bunch of times. I'm a pretty good house cook. I yeah. can do this shit. Well, what they do have on their side is uh, Bruce, Bruce Wayne's, Wayne's fortune. billions of yeah. dollars. You know who they don't have on their side? Hmm. Mr. Jupiter. Yeah, I miss Mr. J. Me I never too. thought I'd say that. Mm, I suspect that. Uh, rich goofball. Ah. Oh. His rascal maneuvers. His robo skyscraper. His hallucinogenic balloons. <laughs> oh, I miss the hallucinogenic balloons. <laughs> Good times. Mm. All right. So. Yes. What was your favorite dialogue? I have two choices. Okay. As and, do I. Okay, so I'll go. there. These are uh, kind of in a change. are both from Speedy. Hmm. And the first one is uh, right at the beginning where the fiddler has enticed the, the, the masses to go crazy and try and destroy everybody and everything in their sure. path by dancing on them. Sure. And um, Speedy says, looks like those crazies are going to dance us down. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. My first is Mal. And he says, kid, look out. Bees. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He says, kid, look out. The bees! The bees, yeah. Yeah, that definitive article kind of actually makes that for me. Yeah. The bees! <laughs> the bees, all the bees. Oh no, the bees! All the bees we got. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What was the other one you had? Uh, the other one I had also involves insects, and it's and it's speedy, as we mentioned before, saying, Yee! Hands <laughs> in my pants, I'm firing wild! <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And then he accidentally knocked Wonder Girl out. With oh his, dear. And then know. that enables her to stop blocking the bees with her bracelets. Yeah. And yeah, Kid Flash gets punched in the chest by bees. Yep. <laughs> My other favorite, and I'm taking a page out of your book here, it is not technically dialogue, but it is the introductory speech. Oh. Just because it puts such a remarkable timestamp on this issue is the narrator asking us, Who's your favorite singing combo? Mm. The Captain and Tennille? Donnie and Marie Osmond? Tony Orlando and Don, or some other. Mm -hmm. I like that really, I think he wanted to leave it as, those are really the three options. I mean, I guess technically somebody might like somebody else, mm -hmm. but really, it's going to be one of those three. I don't know the last one, so I'm going to have to go with the first one. Of those three, Captain and Tennille is your favorite? Yeah. Well, because I don't know the Don and who the last. Tony Orlando and Don? Yep. Um... I think they did a version of tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree hmm. but i might just be getting that from don no soul simmons in the uh amazon women on the moon <laughs> uh i think they did and i'm pretty sure they had a variety show too as did i believe donnie and marie yeah, osmond like... yeah yeah of those three oh geez i'm going with captain Nathaniel too i guess hmm. love will keep us together is okay but i'm in it for muskrat love aren't we all yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was your favorite panel? Again, two choices. Okay. I think my real favorite one was... It, it wasn't like there was a lot of action going on, but it's, it's the, the emotion captured in the drawing of the faces was really good, and it's and it's the panel that we touched on earlier where Robin makes a terrible joke. Yeah. And uh, Wonder Girl has this look of just utter disgust. Yes. On like, her face. Aqualad is doing a, like, just like, <laughs> oh, geez, like, groaning, but kind of good-naturedly. Mm -hmm. Kid Flash is doing the same. And Wonder Girl, yeah, she is looking at Robin like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you idiot? Yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> God. 
can't believe I have to be in a fucking team with you. Yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah, she just really, like, yeah. captures that. I liked that one a lot. Um, I had that, yeah, that was from page six. I really liked the Shofar and Fiddle duel. It's a series of four mm-hmm. panels yeah. on the bottom of page 16. Yeah, it's just a really nice back and forth of, yeah, the Fiddler just, like, fiddling and his hair's flying and every time they show mal tooting on the horn the sound effect is taki your <laughs> yeah. i'm just picturing this song that he is playing that only sounds like taki or oh man you know we gotta get one of those programmable keyboards and put taki or for each of them oh man and, yeah and then yes play it yes yes that is what we are doing Listeners, you can do that too. Send us your tequila songs. <laughs> we can make a contest. Battle of the Bands. Oh, Battle of, Battle of the Bands. Best Shofar song wins. Best Shofar song wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Send me those files. Uh, TTWasteland at gmail.com. I want to fucking hear them. Post them on our Facebook page. Do it. Oh, yeah. Good call. Thanks. So, and uh, keeping with that, my backup favorite panel was um, the Siren Arrow Shofar Duet, I called it. And it's when Uh, uh, they're trying to drown out the the fiddler by playing the shofar, and then Speedy's like, yeah, and I'll harmonize with my siren arrows. And uh, there's the Takiyor sound that we all know, and then the siren arrows were uh, Wari. Yeah, it's pretty good. There's a lot of these at the end. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. I think you conveyed that. Thanks. Yeah. I tried. Oh, nice work. I had the bee punch. Mmm. This. I was pretty good, too. (laughs) Kid Flash getting sacked by the bees. Although, in addition to dialogue, the the panel where Speedy is covered with ants is pretty great. (laughs) He's so bummed. He's so covered in ants. Oh, I would hate that. They're all up in his pants. And there is a uh, like an inset panel that's like just this big ass picture of an ant. Of an ant. really sharp <laughs> printers, just so you know, like just going to town on speed. Uh, yeah, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. All right, so who is your favorite Titan? I feel almost like I'm not putting enough work into trying to find a different favorite Titan of late, but it's gonna Dude, be Mal. There's no other real option. It's mm-hmm. really every Kaneger issue so far. Mal saves the day. Mm-hmm. I like that this is the first issue where he does it without having to prove that he's good enough to be a Teen Titan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, he he shofars it right the fuck up and really does a great job. The only other person who would be, I think, in the running would be uh, Joker's daughter does technically get the KO mm-hmm. on the Fiddler. Mm-hmm. But she really creeps me out. Yeah, and that's I'm, the only... The whole time she's saying like i need to show you guys how good i am blah 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 Yeah, i need to prove myself and then she she does not one scene at the end yeah she she uses a a combination of like makeup gimmicks and karate Mm -hmm. and i guess a flying hand a grabby flying grabby hand yeah Mm -hmm. grabs his fiddle which she 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 does a fine job really nothing against her and it's an idea for a character that does kind of work and really i think uh harley quinn is definitely takes her cues from this character and or was really a modern more more modern interpretation of this character mm-hmm. who does eventually briefly go by the name of Harlequin mm-hmm. which it makes so much more it Joker's daughter is an unwieldy name especially because she is not the Joker's daughter mm-hmm. and is introduced as my name's Joker's daughter I'm not the Joker's daughter stop it you're making my head hurt yeah <laughs> and like drawn just like him and seeing a teenage girl 
drawn with like what I think of as like old lady hair. Yeah. And yeah. wearing a tight fitting suit. It it was just unsettling. I feel like it could be decent. It's the the but inks in this are by Joe Giella. I, I don't think it's necessarily a terrible look. I think it could be drawn it really the whole thing there are two things that I find very unsettling about it. One of them is the the crazy old lady eyebrows that she has drawn on. More so than the hair. And the dropped jaw. It looks like she had like it's like the happy like face who have, from those theater masks. It's not like the happy face from the theater mask, though. That's just mm, a smile. Even the no, even the, mean, like even the, the Marley Crew theater pain one yeah. which did used to scare me. It wasn't that pronounced how far that dropped down. It, it looks like she has had like jaw cancer from doing chew. And it's just like hanging down like that. that. I know! The mouth is always open, too. Like, yeah. widely open. Yeah. Which is... I don't, yeah. I don't like that look. No, it's it's creepy. Mm-hmm. It's it's very unsettling. I don't think the issue is the costuming or the haircut. I really think it's that mouth. Bad mouth. Uh, the, it's a bad mouth, and <laughs> I, I'm scared about it. we don't like it. it. <laughs> we don't like it. And also, her eyebrows are creepy. That's true, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, she does a pretty good job in the issue for the most part. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- shit, did they let her join? It's not established at the end of the issue. She's still hanging out with them. I don't think it's officially made the case in one direction or the other yet. Ugh. I do like the foreshadowing that their headquarters is going to be a disco club. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a nice touch. Uh, it, it's. Uh, Sucks I'm going to do a spoiler. It's called Gabriel's Horn. Which is oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Not a bad name for a nightclub. No. Yeah, no. and the Great Frog plays there, I think, on the regs. I do like that they set up some stuff that's going to happen in later issues. There was... Last issue, we saw the introduction of Karen Beecher, and she says, I'll show those Titans, and, like, it's the first time in the series, I think, regardless of who the author's been, mm. that we've that they've been, like, setting things up to pay off later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, I, I just don't think that's happened before. Mm-hmm. And while I do like the self-contained issues, that is kind of fun for me. It's like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we know what Aqualad's up to. Thank goodness. <laughs> Aqualad is up to uh, flirting with the creepy, creepy lady that scares us. Yeah, I think both Aqualad and Wonder Girl or Rosakis isn't utilizing them to their fullest. No, and like yeah, it's not just the flirt- flirting with Joker's daughter. He made a big point that he was bringing Aqualad back to the team, and I really appreciate that. He didn't do anything in this issue. He didn't do anything last issue either, really. He sheepishly suggested their new headquarters should be undersea. Yeah. Just like a shy <laughs> smile. Which is cute. Um, and he carries, he reenacts a potential crime with, oh. by carrying the Joker's daughter around on his shoulder. That's true. Yep. He's he does like, some Look, CSI work. Footprints are deeper. Yep. That's a thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a little more out of, out of the Marine team. Yep. But what can you do? Mm. All right. Well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, listeners. Yep. Oh. Um, it, thank you for joining <laughs> us, too, Corey, to our 50th episode. And happy fireworks day. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, America. And if it's your birthday when you're listening to this, happy birthday. And if it's not your birthday the first time you're listening to this, why not get this episode out of the archives? Listen to it on your birthday. Happy birthday! Oh, that's good. Ah, that is some good whiskey. Mm. Well, if you'd like to contact us, please do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can check out our Tumblr blog. 
our Facebook page. Send us your Tiki York <laughs> songs. And those panels that I mentioned in the intro of Marmaduke replaced by George Clooney. I'll fill you in later. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But just do it. It'll be great. Trust me. Celebrities. They think they're people. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Indeed. The key orc. Bye. And they know it. Wonder Woman and Cupcakes in The Maltese Cupcake. Advertisement. Wonder Woman, you must help me. You're the only one who can. How, Mr. Astor? Help me find the Maltese Cupcake. That mysterious, fabled, legendary idol. I must have it. Because I must have it. Enter Petula Lori, sniveling, shadowy henchwoman, as if from nowhere. Psst. Hey, strong lady. I can tell you where the elusive Maltese cupcake is. It's rumored to be in the hands of a shady man in the Uh-Oh district of town. Follow me. I'll take you there. Hmm, Uh-Oh? Uh-Oh, great Aphrodite! You're looking for these Maltese cupcake? My charming lady of grace and strength, you've been tricked! Now meet my boss, the corrupt Cindy Blue Street, better known as the Fat Lady. You'll love her wicked, snarling laugh. You were looking for the shady man. Instead, find a big lady who throws a big shadow. <laughs> and now you'll promise me to give up the search for the Maltese cupcake? Or else... But what's this on the shelf up high? It looks like a half cupcake, half monster. Could it be the cursed idol? But why such a fuss? What's so important about a stone cupcake? (laughs) The Maltese cupcake idol is rumored to be the ancient forerunner of the modern cupcake. Great historic value for Asta, but I am interested in what it's worth. Crash! Oops! Another fallen idol! Great Hera, what a crumbly idol! Lasso, lasso, lasso. (laughs) That's not the Maltese cupcake. So what? My search has fortunately led me to an ultimate. A delicious hostess cupcake. Scrumptious. Mouthwatering. I love devil's food cake. And so moist. That priceless creamy filling and chocolatey icing worth the attention of any serious collector with good taste. And now for my serious work, to find a jail big enough to hold the fat lady and her evil friends. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Cupcakes. (laughs) That was really hard. That was difficult. I'm not good at it. Remember that little girl who's like, talk like a lady, and both of us were like, no. (laughs) I forgot about that. What was that? Like along at that Vietnamese place when we were getting sandwiches. Oh we yeah! Was like, I love the smell of money. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs>
but we, she called us out. And yeah, because I talk like a lady. We were both just like, no, no. Can we just get our sandwiches, please? We'd like to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> she bullied us. She did. She was a yeah. little bully. She is pretty rad. Yeah.